Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, episode 133, BGA's fourth birthday! You're listening to a proud member of the Dice Tower Network, dedicated to bringing podcasters together for the greater good of gaming. It's sort of like Voltron, but with better lip syncing. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And Anthony, this has been you and I for four years, my friend. Ah, sweet. We're another year older. <laughs> Wait, no, the podcast is another year older. Ah, so I don't have to go back to kindergarten? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. Ah, so that would explain okay. all the funny looks I got at, you know, registering for that school. Oh, yeah, that wouldn't go well. Don't <laughs> no. do that. <laughs> I did say I have a lot of board game experience, so they were thinking about it because, you know, kindergarten's all about playing games, so podcast uh. kind of played a little bit of a role, you know. You're like, I have a growth disorder. <laughs> Well, let me put it this way. I really like board games. They're like, eh, on that merit, yes, you should be here. The fact that you're 5'10", eh, not so much. <laughs> and here we are on our fourth birthday, fourth anniversary for Board Gamers Anonymous. Four years of bringing you the best, the greatest, and the latest in board gaming, tabletop, card games, apps, random Game of Thrones, movies, television, everything else. Everything that has to do with meeples, nonetheless. I think that's probably a good way to say it. If, it, if it's meeple-related, Anthony and I are on it in some way, shape, or form. That's what we do. Yeah. That's why we're here. All right. So, BGA team here. We want to talk to you about some recent things that have been coming up and some updates. And, of course, all of our upcoming segments. So for this episode, we are going to talk about our favorite acquisition disorders at the tables and feature reviews for the last year. But before we get into all that fun stuff, Anthony, what's been happening with BGA? Lots of news, guys. Lots of news. Uh, end of the summer convention season, so we're doing stuff. You've seen the new website. You saw the contest that we ran to promote the new website and celebrate getting that up. And we have the winners of that contest. Was so it, was it me? No, it was not. No, oh. I, I did have to go through and delete a whole bunch of entries, though. So, <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's let's try not to hack the contest next time. All right. Well, you know, I really do like board games. Just saying. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but thank you, everybody. We had seven thousand five hundred and sixty-one total entries to that contest. Really, really appreciate everybody coming in there. Connecting with us on Facebook, Twitter, through the newsletter, through iTunes, through where, wherever you went and whatever you did in there uh, to, to enter the contest. Very much appreciate it. It was awesome. But we only had three winners, and those were Paula, Dave Renoir, and Andrea, who all won $50, and they all chose an Amazon gift card. So those have all been sent out. Congratulations to the winners, and thanks, everybody else, for entering. Stay tuned, too, because we do have another contest coming up here in the next two weeks or so. So we'll probably announce that next week. Nice. Yes. Lots of stuff, guys. Well, uh, even if you didn't win the big contest, it allows you to connect more with us. So more board gaming goodness coming your way. Yeah, exactly. So stay tuned on all the different things you just signed up for. <laughs> um, <laughs> in other podcast-related news, 
second podcast in our little family here, Every Night is Game Night, turned 50. Wow. Uh, had our 50th episode just this last week, and that's about a year old. So do you guys like solo games or are just interested in, you know, co-op and games that you could play alone or just want to play more games and you can't find people to play them with, that is a podcast for you. Um, not that this is not the podcast for you, but you should also listen to that one. Two podcasts for you. <laughs> the other thing here I wanted to mention, and this is just because it was yesterday before we recorded this, is Force Friday. And that's Star Wars. It's pop culture in general. It does relate to board gaming because there's plenty of Star Wars games. But the reason I wanted to mention it is that Fantasy Flight did a surprise secret game this year. Uh, they did it two years ago, too, and it was the X-Wing starter kit for The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. And you could buy that anywhere, yes. I think. It was in... I, I saw it everywhere I went that week, and it's still out there. We're picking that up at the lemonade stand, but you know, if you're going to carry it, yeah. you're gonna carry it. I mean, Asmodee's everywhere, so it makes sense. Yeah, they're they're in your backyard. That's they're true. back there. You just <laughs> just start digging. You'll find Force Friday stuff. It's, it's it's all there. This year, nobody really knew what it was, and it was hobby exclusive, so you had to get it through the hobby stores. And the the interesting thing is, I talked to local hobby stores here, the the game stores, and they said. They were not allowed to know what it was. Wow. They had to order at least three cases of it. Wow. So they had to order 18 copies, and they would not tell them what it was. So That's insane. My store did it because he it's Star Wars, and he figured probably it's fine. <laughs> Some stores didn't do it, and were like, I don't want to pay money for something, but I don't know what it is. And it turned out it was a Destiny starter kit. So all the stores that didn't order it are kind of mad. And the ones that did but didn't order more are kind of mad. But I mean, it'll there'll be plenty of it available. It was just it was an interesting idea that I don't think anybody truly appreciated from the retail side. Sure. <laughs> Especially because everybody thought it was exclusive. And then I saw them at Target this morning. So wow. not exclusive. Uh, Target has them as well. So that was interesting. Um, I, I picked it up, of course, because I love Destiny. So <laughs> as, a, as a consumer, I was like, yay. But from the retail side, it seemed interesting, to say the least. So what is it? It's just a basic version of Destiny? Yeah, so it's a two-player starter kit. The, the original starter kits that came out a year ago, you had to buy two of them. Okay. There was one for the heroes and one for the villains, and you needed both of them to be able to play a game. Now it comes with enough cards in one box to play a game it's the same cost as if you bought both of those except it all comes together now it's just a little bit easier to get the stuff you need to uh to actually go out and play a game with people and so they've updated some other cards there's some new ones in there it's all the artwork seems to relate more to the new movie um there's some older stuff in there too so it's not really different it's just a new starter kit a new entry point but for people who play the game a lot it's new cards and new dice so you had to get it, and <laughs> there was a decent demand for it, to say the least. So overall, this was a good thing or a bad thing? Good thing. Okay. Just interesting approach to said thing, and I think some people were annoyed by it. So maybe execution, not not perfect. But that, that was probably Disney's fault, because everything was under embargo until yesterday or Thursday, I think. It's not all new cards, but anything with a die is new. So. Okay. All the dice are new, and really, this is designed for new players. Sure. So that's always good. And the fact that it's in Target, while not great for hobby stores, is great for the hop for this particular game because it, I have not seen it in any major retailers yet. So the more people playing it, the more people around who can play with me. So sure. <laughs> that's okay. a good thing. 
And the way Target's going, they bring in some games and they heavily discount it and people pick it up. So maybe this will be like Santorini where it's just a more concise version of the game and then it'll be on sale for 50% off someday. And then I'll Probably. pick it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you So basically, if you're out there and you've thought about checking out Destiny, you can get this $30 starter kit right now from Target or a local game store. Sure. Or you can wait three months and pick it up for 20 bucks at Target. So. Yeah, I'm going to wait until it like hits 50% off. Because yeah. <laughs> that's what Target's been doing with some of their games. And Walgreens, too. They've yeah, yeah. both had massive discounts. I've missed all of these things. but Yeah, so there's that. And then the last thing I wanted to mention, because I don't think we've mentioned it yet, is PAX Unplugged. Now that Gen Con is gone, long sure. gone, we're moving on. We will be at PAX Unplugged. If you are also going to be at PAX Unplugged, let us know. We will be there. It's going to be a little bit more of a low-key con than, let's say, Gen Con. Sure. So. We should be around, we should have time to game, and we want to do that. So please reach out through all the various things you just signed up for and let us know. Yeah, that would be great because since this is a new con and it's starting a new tradition and it's somewhat local for Anthony and I, it might be something that we could kind of start doing as far as having a regular meetup at PAX Unplugged if PAX Unplugged continues. And if you're going to be there, maybe we can work out a location or a time or a dinner or gaming or something like that. So please reach out to us on iTunes, Stitcher, our BoardGamersAnonymous.com website, Facebook, Twitter. Like Anthony said, everything you just signed up for, there's a million ways to contact us. And we want to hear from you through all those means, actually. We love hearing from you. So don't be shy. Reach out and let's get a conversation going. Yeah, definitely. All right, so that seems like a lot of stuff going on for our fourth birthday. Uh, what's going on with everybody else out there? All right, so because it is our fourth birthday and we're going to be looking at our favorites, I figured I'd ask people what their favorite Kickstarter was to date. Uh, so got a lot of answers here, and we'll just run through a few of them because it's always interesting to hear what people are glad that they spent so much money on. <laughs> um, okay. I know I had fun looking through my list and sure. bemoaning the things I spent too much money on. Uh, so Guillerme mentioned a few, the big ones, the big overproduced ones, the Zombicide Black Plague, Sword and Sorcery, the stuff where you get a ton of free stuff. Um, but he also mentioned Gloom of Killforth as being his favorite, the best experience thus far because of the actual process of getting the game and how good the the creator was in staying involved. Um, Brian mentioned the Trudvang Chronicles and Cytosis, which is, like, I think, a game about cellular life. Jerry mentioned Brass, which hasn't delivered yet, so we'll see. Um, <laughs> I know a few people mentioned games that haven't delivered yet, so it's for me. I, I would probably look more towards the ones that you actually have in hand because you know what you got in the end. But you know, I understand being excited about the new ones. Several people mentioned Scythe, Rodney, Nathan, a few people on Twitter. So, I mean, I, I think everybody was pretty pleased with what you ended up getting there. Andrea mentioned Near and Far. Kurt mentioned Super Hot, the card game, which is one I've seen floating around a little bit now, but haven't actually had a chance to play yet. Sure. Um, and then just a few more games real quick that people mentioned. Aeon's End, Kingdom Death Monster. And if you back the original Kingdom Death Monster, that should be your automatic answer because yes. you've got $1,000 worth of game for 80 bucks. Um, we have Herbaceous, Gloomhaven, of course. Uh Vast, the Crystal Caverns, Zaya, Legends of a Drift System, and Lune Architects, which is I thought a good a good answer. Um, I also backed this, and it's impossible to get otherwise. So, 
that's a good one always because sure. you can't get it later. So was there anything in particular, Anthony, for you that what sticks out as far as kickstarting? Yeah, I mean, there's a whole bunch on the list. I think for me, though, it, it probably is Gloomhaven. And yeah. because I got in on that first Kickstarter before anybody knew what it was and got to watch the whole process of him building it out and think there's no way this is going to work. There's no way this is going to work. There's no way this is going to work. <laughs> Every week he sent an update for a year and a half until that thing finally shipped. And it worked. Plus, I got it for a pretty decent price compared to what it's at now. So Sure. So that's pretty solid as far as backing Kickstarter and getting something out of it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of those games that I'm like, oh, I wish I'd been on the original Arcadia Quest or, sure. you know, all the stuff you can't get anymore. Um, and Gloomhaven doesn't have any exclusives, but it's just cool to have been there from the beginning with that one. Gotcha. For me, Small World 2, The Return, I was always a big fan of Small World and having the opportunity to back the app that came to iPad. Still an outstanding app, really solid quality graphics. This was before Days of Wonder got bought by Asmodee, I believe, or just before they did. So backing that app was a lot of fun. And I guess even more so because their first campaign kind of folded because not only were they offering the app, but they were also offering a designer edition of Small World. So they had these two different versions. They were both extremely expensive. And people had a challenge with it, a lot of back and forth talking about it. They really listened to the backers and they rebooted it. And they came out with this really exquisite designer edition, which felt and still kind of feels a little extreme for to pick up but it was limited edition there was a short run afterwards so i was able to pick up this gigantic crate of small world goodness and it's a collector's item and it's going to be something i'm going to keep forever so that designer edition is probably the best kind of kickstarter experience back and forth kind of thing and uh, a whole lot of fun really a whole lot of fun so happy to back that. Yeah, that's uh, stuff like that's always amazing because, yeah, you'll never see it again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the true spirit of Kickstarter where you're trying to help a company produce something that they couldn't do otherwise and getting something unique yourself that's just something you would never find at a store. So both ways, it's just, wow, it just blows you away. I mean, we could easily mention Stonemaier Games and all of their Kickstarters, which are always just kind of, so super professional and so smooth like Scythe. But that first experience with Small World was just so exciting and so different and got me on the Kickstarter train. All right, so that's our question of the week. And now on to our acquisition disorders. So Anthony, it's been a year. It's been a ridiculous number of acquisitions. Is there anything in particular? It's a game that you got to get to the table at some point? Uh, yeah, so this one's kind of ironic because the game's been out and I've had it for almost a year. Um, but it was on my acquisition disorder list early on and I've barely touched it. So it kind of still counts. And that's Arkham Horror, the LCG. This is, I don't know what Fantasy Flight did last year. They took the, the whole Cthulhu Arkham thing, which to me was always this mishmash of messy Ameritrash that was not very much fun, despite what people tell me. And they turned it into a bunch of really good games, which is not cool, because then I can't say I don't like the Cthulhu anymore. But the Arkham Horror LCG, it's, it, I've played through the first couple um, in that base box. I've stayed caught up with it because I didn't want to fall behind like I did on like Lord of the Rings. 
So I have lots and lots of content here. One of these days I'll get around to just sitting down and plowing through a lot of it, but it's it's just it's intriguing. There's a story to it. It plays almost perfectly solo where Lord of the Rings doesn't quite has some tweaks and quirks to it. None of the deck building shenanigans of Lord of the Rings. And it's just I I, I feel like when I'm not playing it, I'm just kind of met on the idea because it is still the Cthulhu theme. But when I am playing it, I'm like, man, this is brilliant. If it was a different theme, I would have totally stayed caught up with it. So it's been a little tough on that front, but it's always there in the back of my head. And I still pick up the packs when they come out because I have the like a recurring thing with the local game store. So I think that's the ultimate acquisition disorder. And then I keep picking stuff up for it, even if I don't get a chance to play it. <laughs> so sure. that's that's mine. Well, mine still is. And it's a recent one, too. It's Merlin by Queen Games. Now, I happen to be a big fan of Arthurian legend. And I also happen to be a big Feld fan. So having those two things together is fantastic. And Queen typically puts out a solid production as far as board games are concerned. So this game, we got to see some of it at Gen Con from a distance. It was kind of taken up pretty much the entire time. I think it's coming out of Essen from what they're saying. But I've also heard that this is going to be a Kickstarter. So it'll be at Essen, but it's going to be kickstarted. And if it's going to be kickstarted by Queen Games... I'm not really sure if that's a great thing or a bad thing. Bad thing. Yeah. That's, <laughs> it's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was the fear. <laughs> there was a big fear when I was like, Ugh. although I remember way back when, when America went through that whole Kickstarter process, I think it was kind of hard to get afterwards. And then the additional, I guess, promo slash expansion pieces were like ridiculously expensive afterwards so yeah uh but it's still a game that i'm looking forward to it's still a game that's on my radar even after all this time so merlin by stefan felt yeah queen's kickstarters man i don't know because by the time they ship it and you get it it's on retail shelf like you could just go get it and then they discount them down to four dollars on amazon yeah i think i might like opt just for importing it like just get the german copy it'll probably have the english rules in it already yeah and it looks language independent so i I don't think it'll be a big deal so all right let's see what happens yeah (laughs) and that's why they're acquisition disorders because they're completely irrational things that we want that we have yet to play but after four years we're we're kind of okay with that all right so let's talk about some games that actually got to our table this last year and really truly blew us away in all manners and with all players. So, Anthony, what has been your at the table this past year that you just want to talk about and maybe keep getting back out to the table even after it's hit? Yeah, this was actually really hard for me because I looked back through these for the last year, the ones I've talked about, and they're all really good. I realize I haven't really reviewed anything on this podcast, at least, that I was like, meh. So I had a little bit of trouble finding one that really stood out. Uh, you know, there was other ones like Lorenzo El Magnifico is, you know, fantastic Euro that keep coming back to. But the one game that just blew me away more than any other game, and I already talked about it in this podcast, but it has to be Gloomhaven. So this game, I think we talked about it back on, ooh, let's see here, episode 112. So back in March. Sure. And that was when it first got into my hands. I'd had it for maybe a month and it played three or four times through. And I haven't played it nearly as much now 
you know, six months later as I would like, but I have played it a few more times and it just keep getting more cool stuff. Even now after having played it, you know, six, seven, eight times, whatever it is, I had to check it. But even after having played it that many times, I still keep thinking, nah, I don't think he pulled it off. Like I, there's it'll fall apart eventually. Right. We'll get to like mission 40 and it'll just be like, man, here it dives off a cliff. Uh, it just hasn't happened yet. And from what I've heard from other people, it doesn't really happen. So this is one of those games that somehow against all odds exists and somehow against all odds is amazing and somehow against all odds actually hits my table every month or so, unlike most other games, even the ones I really like. So I had this had to be the one I picked because it's the only game from the last year that I've talked about and played as much as this one. You know, A Feast for Odin probably got a higher rating from me when I talked about it. And I played it a lot, but it really just hasn't had like that back of the brain itch that this one has for the last six months. Yeah, speaking about Kickstarters that you regret not backing, and I think Gloomhaven has to be definitely on the top of a lot of people's lists, even if that doesn't happen to be your general type of genre gaming, I think that's something that it's kind of surpassed that area. And it's it's kind of a work of art in a lot of ways. And by being able to help this here, this single designer, the single publisher produce this game and for it to be so phenomenal is really a credit to Kickstarter. Yeah. So. Cause the amount of stuff he put in that box and the amount of funding he got the first time through for what he ended up producing, I can't imagine he made very much. You know, that second Kickstarter was a huge success, um, you know, four and a half million dollars, whatever yeah. it was. That was not the first Kickstarter. The first one was like $240,000, which is a lot, but not when you consider how much stuff came in that box for 80 bucks, because that's what it was the first time through when we backed it. So it's it's just astounding to think that this exists. And then he stuck with it and had that kind of you know, fortitude just to get this done. And, and I remember uh, you and Daniel talking about this and your acquisition disorders. How long ago? Oh, my God, two years. It would have been right after Gen Con two years ago. I mean, you guys really, you were on the mark with this way, way long time ago. Yeah, he gets full credit for that. I'm like, he found it. I'd actually looked at it and was like, meh, it's a dungeon crawl. I'm not a huge dungeon crawl fan, even though I own a few of them because I like the minis. The way he talked about it and he described it, I'm like, actually, that sounds pretty good. And so I backed it based solely on Daniel's recommendation. I think I even said it on the episode. Yeah, I just backed it. So good job on that one. (laughs) So. You realize this podcast is not for anyone else but us to help us buy more games, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I got to feel what the listeners feel sometimes. Like, ah, oh, why are you talking about things I didn't know about? Now I have to buy them. Well, it happens to us too, guys. It does. Um, right in the middle of the episode, nonetheless. Yeah, like mute the microphone, click, 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 backed it. So <laughs> I've done that too. I've definitely uh, done that too. Right during an episode. Damn but, it, but guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But yeah, sure. it's it's... It's been astounding, you know, and at this point, it's not surprising anymore. Everybody knows how good the game is. And ironically, probably a lot of people will be let down when it ships to the new backers because it's not it's not the second coming of board games. It's just really, really good for what it is. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely been my favorite game played in the last year. Well, for me, it's something that's a big surprise. And once again, just completely by accident is another Kickstarter that came out from Eagle Griffin Games, and that's Lisboa. This was something that I saw on Kickstarter, 
and I know Anthony had it as an acquisition disorder and he backed it right away and I was still like back and forth and I had my finger on the trigger right up until the end and just for me personally the videos and the information just weren't explaining the game well enough for me to kind of feel comfortable with backing a game at this expense and when I got a chance to see it at Origins I was like okay yeah I'm gonna pick this up and it's a pretty expensive game. The game went for, I think, 130 and I was able to get a discount through some nice rolling. But it was still something that I was pretty concerned that I would never get to the table. And it would be just too heavy for most people. And at this point, I probably got a half a dozen plays. And this is a game that takes several hours to play. And it's really heavy as far as the weight's concerned. I think it's a 4.25 on BGA. And Lester's games are really heavy, so it seemed like a hopeless cause, and it's gotten to the table multiple times, and first time people are kind of overwhelmed by it, and they're like, I'm never going to play that again, and then they come back the following week, and they were like, you know what, I was thinking about that, I want to play that again, and I'm like, alright, so we played again, they, they tend to love it, and they backed it, and I think just by the people I've taught the game to, there's probably been a dozen more copies purchased and it's a real credit to this game it's a euro game that's very thematic very deep very crunchy but outstanding and beautiful to look at and really i don't know i don't know what you couldn't say about it beautiful production beautiful artwork great graphic design interesting gameplay as far as the card mechanics are go and it's kind of new every time, especially with the Kickstarter version. You can kind of move things and even play solo. So, Lisboa, it's something that no matter where you are, as far as how heavy a game you might enjoy, I think this is accessible enough as long as you can kind of sit through the teaching of it, play it, think about it, and then come back and play it one more time. I think then finally that game will get you to pick it up. I, uh, I'm super jealous because... I, I did back it, and so I, I wasn't able to pick it up early at Origins because I had my copy coming in the mail. And it showed up, I think, a week, week and a half before Gen Con. Yeah. So I had time to punch it and try to refresh on the rules and go to game night and ask if anybody wanted to play, and there wasn't enough time, so I didn't play, and then sure. Gen Con. So I haven't actually gotten a chance to play my copy, haven't even gone through it solo yet. Sure. Um, really, really enjoyed the one play of it I've had, but... I haven't gotten nearly enough time with it yet to, to put it up there. I would say if when you get it to the table, the most important thing to do as far as the teaching is concerned is teach strategy and not rules. Teach what people need to do to win the game and then literally work your way backwards. Like you got to build buildings. You got to build public buildings. They're going to score you majority and they're going to give you resources. And this is how you build those buildings and those public buildings because – I think people can get lost in the weeds. I think that's probably the best way to go. It's And once again, great rule book and outstanding player guides with it too. All right, so those are our big at the tables from the past year. And now we want to talk about the feature reviews that really stood out to us over this last year of episodes. And there's been a lot of episodes, especially since we went back to weekly. So these are what we feel were our top features. So, Anthony, what was your top feature for the last year? 
Yeah, I mean, this was another one where I was trying to think, you know, what would be the most, what was the most interesting thing we talked about? And so we, we did a lot of if you likes, and those are always fun. I always enjoy doing that. And I really, really have actually enjoyed, we've started the BGG hotness review. So there's no one particular one because it is whatever it is every month, but it's just fun to kind of look through that list and do in the research, find out why everything's on the list. So mm-hmm. that's always kind of fun to rattle off. But the one thing that I had the most fun with, and this kind of overlapped with Every Night is Game Night and what we were talking about there uh, in that month, was the top 10 board game apps. Sure. So this was back in May, and I think it was episode 118. And so we, we ran through our top 10. And I, I think the reason that this one stuck with me and the reason I enjoyed it so much is because, A, I went back through and played all these when we were preparing for the episode. And I was like, oh, that's right. I love these. So I've been playing more of them lately. But also 2017 has been a huge year for apps. End of 2016 into this year. You know, we have basically any blockbuster game now that comes out is getting an app announced for it within a year. We have Scythe coming and Terraforming Mars. We, we talked to Asmodee Digital at Gen Con. They had this giant list of games that were going to be released in the next year. But then also all these other ones that are in production for next year. It's just really impressive to see all this stuff happening. And even small publishers, like we talked to Kurt at Smirk and Dagger, he's making an app for Cutthroat Caverns, you know, and that would have been unthinkable a few years ago for just a small little publisher to be building an app. But the market has gotten so big now that of course they are, you know, so that's been really fun. And, it, you know, I'm not saying apps replace board games. I love my cardboard. It's (laughs) I have a lot of cardboard, guys, (laughs) but it's fun to have these when you're on a bus or a train or when you're waiting in line at convention or just sitting on the couch and don't feel like getting up while you're watching TV, whatever it is. These are great. And the sheer number of them now available, it just makes it so much more accessible and so much more fun to be able to get in there and play these things. And some games like Jaipur, not a game I was ever going to play, but it's a very addictive, quick, easy to play game against the, the computer. So there's a lot of those now and uh, it's going to keep growing and there's going to be a lot more coming out. So that was definitely something that I enjoyed talking about. Yeah, I think in particular, the news that we got from Gen Con with Asmodee producing apps for other companies, especially Terraforming Mars and Scythe, not just coming to your phones and your pads, but also coming to Steam. And that just that's got to blow you away that. These games would typically, I don't know, would take months, if not years, to eventually get around to having an app or not having an app at all. And now they're going to have presence in all of these devices. And as you said, Anthony, it's not that we ever want the apps to replace the board games or the cardboard, because that would never happen for me personally. I would never choose an app over a board game. But having the apps in these different realms allows new people to pick them up, try them out, and then come into board gaming And it gives us legitimacy. I mean, once upon a time, when there was a board game out, it was pretty bad or it was pretty basic. And now we're looking at board game apps, especially by Asmodee and I guess by the Days of Wonder team, that's just phenomenal. So it's crazy. I mean, like, look at Race for the Galaxy example. Like that game, that app is ridiculously good or Terra Mystica they managed to make an app out of Terra Mystica and it's functional and easy to use on an iPad like it's, it's amazing count how many games of Ticket to Ride I've played on my phone yeah you yeah it's a good blow one. through games without even thinking about it <laughs> so 
it's just been a, a really great, great development in board gaming. And it allows designers to do different things. Like Suburbia, for example, having that solo kind of, you know, quest to build this unique city is extremely frustrating, but wonderfully, lovingly challenging. And you don't see it in the board game version. So the app allows you to do things that you don't typically get an opportunity to do. So yeah, that's that's a lot of fun. So check out our episode on that 118, and I think you'll you'll like that conversation. The one I want to talk about is a little bit earlier, episode 115. This is the new new essentials, and why I really love this feature so much is typically people ask, you know, what are the best board games to buy? I'm starting my collection, I'm revitalizing my collection, I'm coming back into board gaming, and I'm not sure really what I should be picking up because there's so much out there now. So what would be the essential games I should have and not the typical essential games or the typical gateway games that everybody has. I want to be the gamer at the table that everyone comes over to and I have a game for every different class. So this essential list, we did a light, we did a medium and we did a heavy version of each game. So you have six different choices to go for here. And this is one of the lists where it's been tested over the last, I would say, couple of years where other games have come and gone and these games have stuck around and really have gotten table play. So if you are looking for the new, new essentials, check out episode 115 because I think these games are essential for anyone's collection and any game night. Yeah, it's funny looking back at this now, you know, four months later and being like, yeah, yeah, these still all get out. I yeah. still play these, you know, especially after culling. Like I did a big culling of my collection over the summer, just making room for Gen Con stuff and Kickstarters and everything else. And all six of these are still up there. So it's true. They're definitely essential. All right. So that's everything for our episode. Please keep in contact with us on all of our fantastic social media. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And after four years, we're still saving you a seat at the table. It's covered in dust. Where are you? <laughs> are you a White Walker? You're a White Walker. Right. <laughs>